1: on the Dallas Cowboys for something great like the Hidden Yardage Podcast right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane, he's Sean Martin, and it's up to you to determine which between the two of us is Brandon Cooks or Stefan Gilmore. Hey, Sean, how are you doing?
2: Well, I will take the claim on being Brandon Cooks because as I foreshadowed last week, and this is just so perfectly fitting. You know, I told you and our listeners right here on this show that something good Cowboys related was going to happen when I go to a Kenny Chesney concert, because last time you got to interview Dyke Prescott, and that was awesome right here on a Hidden Artists podcast. And now this time I see him in Houston and I come back and the Cowboys make a trade with the Houston Texans for one of their top players, of course, in Brandon Cook. So I would go ahead and claim that one.
1: Yeah. So what were you really doing down there? You were down there massaging the deal to get it done, weren't you?
2: Oh, of course. I mean, in between songs, and when I had Case Keenum up on the Jumbotron, I was sneaking a look at my extra cell phone like Adam Schefter and getting this deal done. I had a barbecue sandwich in one hand, a beer in the other, and a cell phone balancing on my leg to uh, make sure that Brandon Cooks could come help CDLM and make this receiving core, everything that we thought it could be.
1: You can follow Sean on Twitter at NFL. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane and subscribe to the hidden yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher. So, let me ask you Sean, if Dallas had made the Cooks trade at the deadline last year, would people still be clamoring, "Oh my gosh, we got to get Dak Prescott more weapons?"
2: To an extent, I don't think so as much. You know, I think that he is still a player that can help. I think that's good foreshadowing for, you know, what you're going to see moving forward now with Cooks in this somewhat new look, Mike McCarthy offense, you know, he would have tied Dalton Schultz for most catches on the team this past season and in 2021, like you're talking about. Um, he would have, he would have led the team with 90, you know, which he had for the Texans in that season. And we of course know the quarterback play the Texans were getting these past couple of seasons and to help he had around him at receiver. So all of that is a factor in terms of just how much better he can get in this offense. Now, with Dak Prescott and everything else around him. So yeah, I do think that the, some of that clamoring would have quieted down just a bit if this type of move could have been made. But also, you know, we should be looking at the prices they got him at currently as a big win for this front office. We know that, you know, they're comfortable up to a certain price in free agency and draft capital and all these things put a burden on the big types of names they're willing to go after. But this is still a big name that at one point was linked to, you know, needing to give up a second round pick or more. To get him in that midseason type of trade, like you're talking, and now we're talking about getting him for a fifth and a sixth round pick in the future. So great job by the Cowboys to get that price down. Of course, you would like to have him this year and make a difference in that 49ers game, but you know they're moving on in a way that certainly shows that they're trying to win now more than they have in past all seasons. They've gone after big names before, but some that were past their prime and things like that. But now they have Brandon Cooks. Stephon Gilmore, two really good players that have an immediate starting role to make this team even better than they were at any point last season.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Cooks is he's done it in a variety of offenses. In other words, he had, oh, 65 catches for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns with Tom Brady throwing him the football. Well, who wouldn't? But then he, as you alluded to in 2021, He had 90 catches, over 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns with just Terod Taylor and a rookie Davis Mills throwing him the ball.
2: Yeah, those West Coast-style staple routes that we expect to see more of in this offense, you know, you can picture already Brandon Cooks just – making big plays and moving the chains on those types of plays like he has his whole career, you know, those drag routes, taking the ball over the top as well, though. These are the types of things that Prescott needs more consistency of in the offense. He needs an option other than I am. that can make those plays. And that's exactly what you just got. You know, they were Cowboys are trying to sell us on bread on Michael Gallup being the guy again to step up. And, you know, we were doing it all over again in terms of, Oh, well, he'll be better off the injury, you know, year two for real this time, run it, run it right back. And, I do still have high hopes of Michael Gallup this season, but again, if you're trying to win now, you can't just push it all back on him and I am. So if Gallup continues to elevate this offense, that's another added bonus, but we know what Cooks can bring consistently and, you know, just really helps Prescott have those options to get the ball out of his hands regardless of how the offensive line is performing, pass protection, if it's going to break down any of those things, dump the ball off to Brandon Cooks and he's made big plays after the catch almost his entire career with six seasons over a thousand yards.
1: Yeah, and that's what was missing from... Houston's offense, according to Mark Lane from Universe eight three two, is the other teams knew that was coming. Oh, wide receiver screen to Cooks. I mean, that's all you have. That's easy to defend. And there are a lot of pick sixes that came off of that, which I know the Dak haters they'll love seeing that if it ever happens.
2: Oh of course. I mean, but I think the best thing about this is, you know, like I'm saying, it's gonna be less Prescott having to force the ball into any of these windows you know would you rather throw a drag route to Michael Gallup who coming off the ACL injury couldn't really shake anybody and you know consistently had a defender draped over his back or would you throw it to Brandon Cooks who has a separation and then and you can get him against the linebacker and you know turn up the field and those types of eight to ten yard gains that keep this offense ahead of schedule that's just going to be there all day with a guy like Cooks and I am and you know you're going to need passes that are an extension of the running game now. You know, we all still think that Tony Pollard is ready to step into a big role at running back, and certainly the team does in the way they moved on from Ezekiel Elliott, but even still, you're going to need, you know, extensions of the run game in the past to sustain drives and not be too over-the-top pass heavy, and you can get those easy completions to a guy like Cooks, and, you know, this is still also a very defensive-minded team now. I know that that still feels a little bit weird to say, but it's getting less weird by the day, right? You know, it's your three under Dan Quinn. The personnel decisions certainly point that way, and we'll talk more about that later here. But, you know, it's a defensive-minded team. How do you support a great defense on the offensive side of the ball? You sustain drives. you pick up easy first downs, you convert third and shorts. And again, that's just all more things that Brandon Cooks can help you do. So I couldn't love this move more. And again, the price is really the cherry on top to get him for a five and a future six. is really next to nothing. You keep all of your premium draft capital. You're still picking three times in the top 100 this April. So a lot to like about the current direction of the team. And that leads me to the next topic, which is it
1: appears that the way the Cowboys have operated Going back to the Amari Cooper trade is they're using draft picks not just to take, hey, future talent that can help, such as a CD Lamb and a Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, but it appears that they're using their draft picks since the Amari Cooper trade as essentially um way to draft veteran players that can help. Because remember, yeah, I mean, they got Amari Cooper and then Steven Jones uh, down at the Senior Bowl in 2019 offseason. He's, you know, we asked him, hey, what, how do you feel not having a first rounder? And he joked, I got one. And it was Amari Cooper and we're happy and all this kind of stuff. And then you saw that. At their trade deadline in 2019, where they traded, they went, and they got Michael Bennett. Now, that may have been more to fill a hole with Tyrone Crawford being injured, but then you see this Stephon Gilmore trade, and to me, that's just what this looks like, is that the Cowboys and then the Brandon Cooks trade, that's what it looks like, is instead of going in free agency and messing with all oh, the pie, they went and got their own slices uh, maybe by going through the drive-through and getting it off the dollar menu and you know getting it in those uh, one dollar pies uh, that always burn your tongue because you got to wait three years <laughs> for them to cool down but nevertheless, that's how they did it was they went and they essentially drafted that receiver help for the rate of a fifth-rounder, sixth-rounder next year, went and drafted that cornerback help opposite of Trayvon Diggs instead of waiting for Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph to
2: develop. You know, you mentioned the molten pies. It just brings me back to regretting that I didn't get a funnel cake at Houston Rodeo on Wednesday. I really wanted that funnel cake, but it just didn't didn't work out to, uh, to go make that happen and, and get into the stadium in time for the Kenny Chesney show. But, uh, yeah, you know, people like... I'll get, you know, called out sometimes it's like, oh, you know, you're from New Jersey. Why are you, uh, what are you doing going to a rodeo? You don't fit in there. And I'm like, well, I got carnival rides and funnel cake and ice cream and stuff. I mean, I grew up at the boardwalk in New Jersey, so that, you know, that, at least that part of it I can relate to. And, you know, the rest of it, I've you know, I've, I've grown to appreciate for sure. So, uh, you know, shout out to funnel cakes. But, you know, hat tip to Dan Rogers on this one, one of our BTB writers. He uh, pointed out and has an article coming about, just what you're saying, the Cowboys going after these types of players that can fill needs and the veteran presence that helps them, you know, get to the draft in a way that free agency is used for them. But I don't see it in a way of, you know, really them earning too much praise here, to be honest. I think it's more, you know, as far as recent seasons, I think it's just the Dan Quinn effect being fully realized. So he went back and looked at the way this team has acquired another team's uh, former first round pick And every year since 2014, but the names, you know, former first-round pick is something to get caught up on. And like you said, Stephen Jones can do so when he says, oh, well, Marley was our first-round pick, even though that was, you know, well prior to when the Cowboys got their hands on him. So 2014, just to run through this real quick, Rolando McClain and Brandon Whedon, again, nothing too exciting there. Although McClain was a part of a, you know, 2014 defense that certainly played above what his talent level was. Darren McFadden in 2015 just proves that the offensive line was really good because he ran well. Behind them. 2016, Mark Sanchez, nothing to write home about. 2017, Jonathan Cooper, Detone Jones. 2018, Amari Cooper, and Tavon Austin. 2019, Robert Quinn, 2020, Alden Smith, Joe McCoy, Don um, Poe, Cam Irving, and Haha Clinton Dix. And then Dan Quinn, in fact, 2021, Moi Cooker, Keanu Neal got the most out of them. Hooker is still here, of course. 2022 Dante Fowler working to get him back. Quinn got the most out of him. Anthony Barr helped out. Xavier Rhodes, Tack McKinley. And now this year, Stephen Gilmore, Brandon Cook. So I don't look at this full body of work as something that's like, oh, we should be fully praising the Cowboys as this team that does such a great job getting veterans. I see a lot of names that really didn't work out and fit right into the narrative of they need to do more in free agency to get actual blue players and not just bargain shopping. But then I see in recent years, them being able to get players to help Dan Quinn's defense. Big you know credit to Quinn and his coaching style as well. And they finally converted it to offense as well, where Brandon Cooks is a true, bona fide name that you know should help beyond any doubt. So if they're, tr- if they're starting to figure it out more in offense, there's still some guards and running backs that maybe they can get before the draft too, but Cooks is a right step in the offensive direction, whereas defensively I just see you know free agency as a way for them to get players that Quinn can maximize the talent from. We kind of I don't know if bail them out is too strong of a word, but make them look better than they really are in terms of the signings that they're accustomed to making this time of year.
1: Oh, I wasn't talking about the veteran acquisition. Overall, I was talking about just the specific aspect of how they use these draft picks for getting that veteran help. That's what I'm saying is it's like, because, and it may play into that whole compensatory uh, formula that's so sacrosanct with the Cowboys front office is because when you're stacking fifth and sixth rounders all the time, maybe you can find a team that's willing to uh, part with some veteran talent that can help you at the cost of just a fifth round pick.
2: Well, so, yeah, I do see that in a way that they you know, can go after these players with the late round picks, but at the same time, you know, they preach valuing the draft so much, then at a certain point, you know, where's the value in those picks to get future starters as well. If you're all going to be so draft heavy and that still hasn't changed, even though they're having a good pre-draft off season right now, you know, at a certain point you have to show that you can also draft starters in those rounds too, because these veterans you're going after can be helpful for, you know, a year or two and that's great. And you need those on a championship team, but when it doesn't work out year after year, then to go have that playoff success, you know, at a certain point, when do you question whether or not you would like to have that fifth or sixth round pick back and have, you know, possibly hit on a couple of them. And now you have more of those controllable players on a rookie contract and it helps you manage the whole cap space better. And you know, then you can be more aggressive in free agency. So I almost like the path that that can open up more than like you're saying using your eight round picks to consistently swap them for veterans you do need a you know the right veteran presence being too draft dependent doesn't give you that because you know, you're always going to be counting on too many young players stepping up and you're going to be looking to guys in their second or third year as your veterans by that point so it is a balancing thing and if you have the extra comp picks, absolutely like you said go ahead and go make that part of your team building strategy but you know as a team that's still going to beat us over the head with how much they value the draft you'd like to see you know, sustained success and hitting on some of these late round draft picks too. Well didn't they hit on one with um with um Deron Bland last year? Oh, absolutely. I mean I wrote about Bland for bloggingtheboys.com dot com as far as how, you know, trading for Gilmore puts him in the outside position with Trayvon Diggs and now you look at the slot position and it gets a little bit crowded. Now Bland has, you know, Jordan Orris and you can possibly bring back Anthony Brown, it's like, oh, well, now you got all these veterans stacked above Bland. How's that going to work out for a guy who needs more snaps? But I think Bland is easily going to put his way to the top of that depth chart, you know, almost no matter who's on this team, and play some snaps on the outside still, and get that starting, you know, nickel position, if you will. So, yeah, it does work out if they Bland, and, you know, that could be a reason, like I'm saying, to hold on to these types of picks and look elsewhere for how you acquire talent outside the draft. Go make, you know, another Brandon Cooks-type trade. Don't be afraid to go after the big name free agent as opposed to just staying in the value range of whatever your fifth and sixth round picks can get you because not only are those players usually not all that helpful like we outlined, but sometimes the draft pick is a whole lot more valuable with Deron Bland who looks like he can easily be you know, a staple or a secondary for years to come going forward.
1: And that's where the scouting really comes in because it's the day three, like all the scouting and everything that's going on now and the Combine and the Pro Days. Really, they're looking at who's going, where the values to be had with those mid-round guys and also with some of your undrafted free agents. So, I think that Dallas must feel that whatever they can get from Brandon Cooks with that fifth-round pick, uh, whatever they could get from Stephon Gilmore with that pick is they wouldn't be able to get that with a rookie receiver, a rookie cornerback, and they don't feel like any of the young guys at those positions are going to step up this season.
2: Oh, absolutely. In this case, that's why this offseason already feels so much different and it's a breath of fresh air and, you know, they deserve praise for, I know what R.J. Otoa is called, you know, and he covers the whole league pretty well and looks around it and says the Cowboys are having one of the best all seasons of really any team. So, you know, that's why it just feels different. It's because they got great value on these two big name starters and can step in. And, you know, I couldn't agree more if you mark the fact that, you know, a rookie receiver could do anything close to what Brandon cooks is going to give you. I don't think so. And that's even with, if, if you were picking higher, I might say that where you had a guaranteed chance to get, you know, Jackson Smith and Ziga from Ohio state or Quentin Johnson Those guys could be gone by 26. Now you're really talking about not getting a player close to the level of what Brandon Cooks can bring. And then, you know, a cornerback, fifth rounder instead of a Super Bowl champion, Stephon Gilmore, who played in front of, you know, a pretty terrible pass rush in Indianapolis. I think it was CBS Sports that pointed that out, where he was still graded very highly in man coverage, despite quarterbacks having time to throw against him. And now, of course, DeMarcus Lawrence, Parsons, everybody that the Cowboys pass rush has, can help you know Stefan Gilmore play more aggressive, play in that Trayvon Diggs mode where they're breaking on the ball, making plays, and the two of them can you know help keep this turnover this great turnover streak that the Cowboys under Quinn have had. So absolutely couldn't agree more that you know Cooks and Gilmore are the best possible case examples of how you can turn draft capital into a true players that help you win now and make a move that actually signifies that you're trying to win now. So much more so than the Cowboys have in any other recent offseason
1: well now that dallas has made some i you know significant veteran acquisitions with cooks and gilmore do you still have a couple of free agents out there that you'd like to see the cowboys sign
2: yes yeah, so i think all line of running back are two positions that i'd still like to take a look at some of these free agent running back deals have come in a little bit I don't, don't want to say surprising, but just, you know, in the price range where it can make Dallas players with some other names that are still out there. Samazé Piran got two years, seven and a half mil. To the Broncos, Dante Foreman, a one-year deal. To the Bears, worth $3 million. Boston Scott, all it took to keep him in Philadelphia on a one-year deal was $2 million, and he was a valuable, really valuable player in that Eagles backfield of Jalen Hurts. So some of these running back deals, Cowboys could be players here. I see a Fournette just became available, Kareem Hunt. And using uh, over-the-caps market value projections, they have Fournette at $2.3 million per year. Kareem Hunt, they have valued at $7 million per year. So certainly numbers the Cowboys can work with there. As far as what you're going to miss the most in Ezekiel Elliott, I think it's that pass blocking and you know the ability to step up in the blitzing linebackers and keep Prescott protected. Certainly Prescott's response to not having Elliott with him anymore kind of went viral a little bit, right? It was you know, an emotional thing for him to lose a player he's so close to, but at this point in his NFL career, he's not a rookie anymore. He knows the business of it and understands what they're moving forward to try to do. It doesn't mean he he has to feel great about the pass protection in front of him. You know, we've seen pretty quickly early on in, in the game, you can tell when Prescott just doesn't fully trust his protection, it really leads to a struggle for the whole offense sometimes. So, what the offensive line is gonna look like is first and foremost, but also having that running back back there as their last line of defense. Certainly helped Prescott when he knew it was Elliott. And I think you can find another pass protecting back in free agency to help shore that up. And then the offensive line, Justin Pugh, Gabe Jackson, Dalton Risner, were all some other names that could give you a guard to um, help keep Tyler Smith at tackle, if that's the plan. Of course, you know, you're gonna need some insurance plan on Tyron Smith. So that's why ty- having Tyler ready to play tackle with another free agent guard in here could be a big deal, and so those are three names that I think you can go after in the off line market as well. Yeah,
1: um I, what I'd like to see them do, just because, I, I guess it's the Rod Marinelli that rubbed off on me, but I'd like to see them go get another edge rusher. I know that Jadavian Clowney's considered the best edge rusher available right now. I, I would consider it to be either Leonard Floyd or Melvin Ingram, maybe if you want to take a, a uh, you know, kick the tires with Yannick Ndokwe, you could take him. Um, but I would look just for maybe one other edge rusher because I really want to take some of that responsibility away from Micah Parsons so he can go back to being the utility guy. And then, like you said, with the offensive line, I, I would actually – Go with Connor McGovern. I would sign the other Connor McGovern. it ain't true. So. Yes, I would do that. Just a for the comedy, but also because <laughs> I think that you do need some position flex. Uh, but he's mostly a center, whereas uh, the other Connor McGovern was mostly a guard who had center flex. This would be. Selling out for a cent, but they got that with Alec Lindstrom. So that would be the downside with going with the other Connor McGovern. But yeah, I I would feel more comfortable if they shored up the offensive line with a veteran presence like that. Maybe you see what Isaiah Wynn, what he has left. Um, you you could also if you wanted a veteran running back. Um, I I would just, I mean, maybe Jarek McKinnon. Um, but I, I really, I would let Tony Pollard and whatever draft pick they're going to come in handle all that along with Malik Davis. Um, but that's what I'd like to see is another pass rusher, uh, guard with uh, some position flex, and then if you went with a veteran linebacker, someone who's explicitly a pass protector, third down back type. Yeah, I think
2: the van Vander SV signing kind of kills the market on going after another linebacker. I just think they've seen Quinn, you know, turn water into wine too many times at that position when it comes to you know, getting the most out of, you know, I mentioned earlier, Keanu Neal converted safety in this first season, things like that. So I think they'll feel good enough about ironbacker to, you know, mix in another draft pick if you have to, and we'll see if Jabril Cox can get on the field at all. But I don't know if the market is going to develop for them to be in the price range and make sense for any of these ironbacker deals that may come down in the next couple of days. I did have one edge rusher written down as well that I didn't get to there, but I'm happy you mentioned some other names, but Dwayne Smoot, was a guy I really liked out of the draft and out of Illinois. Uh, has all the tools coming out of Illinois. There as a third-round pick in 2017, and he had five sacks, really as a rotational guy this year, which is the same numbers he was putting up, you know, when he started games for the Jaguars, which seems to be a team that just never gets the most out of edge rushers, right? You know, they drafted um, who was a Kevon on who everyone thought was going to go to the Cowboys, and. At least for now, the Cowboys seem to have dodged the bullet there, because Chase on was really unproductive in his first year there with the Jaguars. So, it doesn't seem like a defense where you know the edge position can force down there. We know that's different under Dan Quinn. So Smoot, you know, five, five sacks last year, get him in a rotational role here, and he could be another guy like Dante Fowler. I think he plays the run a little bit better than Fowler though, so that's another reason to take a look at him. So he would be my edge rusher to maybe get on a cheap deal here.
1: Yeah, and also the Jaguars, they have the other Josh Allen. Um, he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie, and then like he kind of disappeared.
2: He had a little bit of resurgence.
1: But, um, yeah, their edge rushers, they just kind of disappeared.
2: And that is the type of advanced scouting you can only get on Hidden Yardage. I mean, it is March 19th, and we're talking Jacksonville edge rushers. So, uh, you know, come get you some.
1: Let me ask you this. So, with the free agency moves that the Cowboys have made, do you think that there are any hints we can pick up on as to where they may go day one of the draft? Do you think that that pick, as late in the first round as it is,
2: becomes... Uh, kind of a big BPA. I think they're certainly getting there, which is which is exciting this early into the offseason. You know, I think they, they are getting very close to that point where they can comfortably be at the BPA draft strategy. And, you know, it still has to be BPA to position a need. The idea that true BPA exists really doesn't in the draft when you look at it. But, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to be talking about offensive line still. I think receiver, you know, slips down the board now to the point where, it would, it would take somebody that you're expecting to go, you know, top 10 or top 15 to fall to 26 to have to pull that trigger. So, like I said, a Quentin Johnson or someone along those lines where the value was just too high there at 26, but I don't see that happening for a couple of reasons. So, you know, I think offensive line still defensive line, um, you know, kind of the safe picks that, you know, they're going to get coached up in a way that you can just plug them in, get a meaningful contribution, continue to add a couple of veterans and, that's usually how this team gets ready to take the field. So, they're close to that point, and they have some, you know, two really good names to hang their hat on right now, and in, in Cooks and Gilmores. So, it is a BPA approach that we're gearing up for at twenty-six. But I think the main focus would probably still be on the offensive line right now. You know, I don't think you saw enough from Josh Ball or Matt go to say that, you know, you feel great about them being the future. It's an unfortunate thing to say because this team has always been so good at drafting offensive line, and you really would prefer to see one of them you know be that type of player and they're still gonna have every opportunity to do so but if this is a win now team and the moves they've made so far certainly signal that you know they can't just fall back on oh well we didn't see it again and that's why the offensive line struggled and that's why Prescott was under pressure and the offense fell apart again you know these things just can't happen again because of past draft mistakes so you can never have too much offensive line death. if will let's go want to add to that be a contributing player that's great but if you can add one more guy that's actually going to contribute and be ready to play, you know, at the guard position, let's say at twenty six, that certainly seems like a likely path they could go.
1: And how mad would you be if they took a running back?
2: Uh so so if it was before the Cooks trade then very. But now you know it could be a little bit more justified, right? Like the pass offense you feel good about, the line is getting there. Like you know, now are we back to twenty sixteen levels of all this team needs is a running back. You know, I don't quite know. I just made the Ezekiel Elliott You know, moving on from him, so fascinating because, like, on one hand, you wanted to praise McCarthy and this whole new front office, coaching staff, what have you, of like, oh, this is truly you know McCarthy's influence now. He's taking control. They would never have never done this when he first started, and they're gonna go a different direction of running back, and it's more modern thinking with the way that the running back can you know catch passes and be more dynamic and good for them on that. But at the same time, it's like great. Now we just have to add Ezekiel Elliott to the list of ever-growing list of players that they've just wasted a career of, you know? It's like the same front office that is now finally getting more forward-thinking has all these skeletons in the closet of, you know, you mentioned, I think, two weeks ago, the idea that Zach Martin is already entering year 10. You know, are you going to be able to contend under him? And, you know, Tony Romo, of course, is a big one. And now we just throw Ezekiel, we get right in there as far as great players who weren't able to be part of a championship team here. So do you want to go running back and start that clock over again and feel like you're good enough in other positions to you know, take that type of risk and still get a contributing player like Bajan Robinson. I'm not sure to, that they're there yet, but and I know for sure that a lot of fans would be upset about it, but would I be one of them? I think maybe at first, but then you could justify it by, you know, again, the offensive line is coming into shape, what you have of, you know, some road grading, run blockers up front with Tyler Smith up there and Tyron and Martin, be honest, really taking a step up. Could that be conducive to a running back like Robertson really having a great immediate impact, I think it could be so still not the direction I want to see him go, but certainly it's at a point where it could be more justified than it was, you know, as early as a week ago.
1: Yeah, I still wouldn't do it. I would still try to get uh a cane, but he's, you know, more of a pass catching back, kind of a copy of Tony Pollard, if you will. Um in day two. That's where I would feel comfortable taking a running back. And uh, I never thought I would say that because I have always had a bias towards running backs. Um, So, you know, but that's today's NFL is you basically only have to be able to seem like you're good at running the ball, not actually do it. It's, Really, more so, just how do you keep possession? And I think with today's rules and everything, that's where how they've made it is to where the passing game now has advantages in maintaining possession that they didn't have before things like um, changing the rules on pass interference in a legal context.
2: What were your thoughts on Emmett Smith's comments about the, you know, the Elliott move?
1: Well, basically they Ezekiel Elliott's career, I don't know that it was wasted, but that 2017 six-game suspension wrecked all of it in my opinion. And that had nothing to do with the Cowboys. Um they did it seemed like give Elliott as many opportunities as they could, and whether or not the contract in 2019 was inadvisable, I think that was a success on Ezekiel Elliott's part because he saw, hey, Jalen Smith's coming up, Marcus Lawrence is getting the franchise tag, Dak Prescott, his deal's coming up, Um, they can fifth-year option me, and kick the can down the road and then you know I don't get a chance at a big contract and staying in Dallas now nah, I'm I'm going to do it now so on that front you know I applaud Ezekiel Elliott for getting as much comfort and value out of his contract and playing time and tenure as he could um but you know it's they had him. He was good for the dirty runs and everything um, and the pass blocking. But I think that there may have been some passing of the torch that was going on even in 2021. And uh, now it's complete. Uh, so the Cowboys just better hope that Tony Pollard recovers from that from that fibula injury. But I think they will... Um, kind of, I think they'll edge that with drafting a running back on day two.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's the idea that they we want them to be more forward-thinking. You know, a lot of teams feel that you could just draft a running back on day two. And even if you didn't have a Tony Pollard already on the roster, and there you go, there's your starter. So they're expecting Pollard, though, to be the starter. And like you said, that's going to be contingent on his recovery from the injury, which is a really big deal this offseason. But if all of that goes well, then, yeah, they're they're right in line with the rest of the league's thinking, really, which is where you want to be on that. You can just go get running backs and plug them in and be productive. So I don't see why this offense will be any different. Certainly, like I said, it's a move that highlights, you know, Mike McCarthy is still having this type of influence, but we've done so many segments on, are they also preparing for, you know, life after McCarthy? And I think with this position specifically, it can be both in that way of, you know, like I said, you want to be forward thinking to, Oh, this is what McCarthy wants. We can win now without Elliott. That's the right idea. But the next coach, you would hope, you know, has the same idea, outlook at running back, and same ideas. You don't want to go backwards and go get a coach who says, "Oh, we need to invest all these resources of running back, and we're going to, you know, run the ball on every first down again and be a physical run team." All these things that you're trying to move on from helps you, you know, in this in the near term and the long term for life without Elliott going forward now. So that's probably the most exciting part about this when it comes to what they're trying to do in the immediate term, and they just added to that, you know, as of Sunday with the Brandon Cooks train, and then long-term, you know, what Pollard and Malik Davis and then whoever they draft this year potentially can give them.
1: Indeed. All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays on Tuesday. I picked this strictly for the name because it sounded cool. Dax Swanson, who played cornerback for Dallas in 2016, turns 32 years old. On Wednesday, Russell Maryland, He played defensive tackle for Dallas from 1991 to 1995. So that means he's a three time Super Bowl champ. He turns 53 years old. On Friday, Mike Vanderjack turns 52 years old. He was a kicker for Dallas in 2006. And he got this big contract from the Cowboys. He was going to solve their kicking woes. And uh, he didn't do that. In fact, he got cut right after Thanksgiving. And then the Cowboys went with Martine Gramatica, and the rest is history. And then on Saturday, arguably the greatest Dallas Cowboys quarterback, who never really played for the Dallas Cowboys, Mike White turns the Cowboys
2: legend. Yeah,
1: turns 27 years old, and he's that late round value you're talking about, Sean. Um, he turns 27. He's with the Cowboys 2018, 2019, and now he's in New York. And he, you know, really competed with Zach Wilson and gave Coach Robert Sala something to think about. But, uh, yeah, there he is, Mike White, 27 years old. Those are Cowboys' birthdays.
2: Yeah, Billy had some good starts for the Jets though. You know, there's few things I enjoy more in the Cowboys social media world than the um – you know, former Cowboys legend for any given player to play, you know, one snap here. And so Mike White took that and ran with it. And, you know, now Jets fans embrace what he brought, even though they're, of course, all turning their attention towards the idea that Aaron Rodgers could be their quarterback and give them, you know, the best quarterback play that they've had in the years. That's not a knock on Mike White. He's a legend in our hearts still, but, you know, certainly the Jets would welcome uh, the level of play that Rodgers could bring and the whole NFL world is holding their breath on that one.
1: Yeah, that'd be an interesting segment. Uh, the greatest Dallas Cowboys is who never were at certain positions, because they have them. I mean, I'm thinking of Jim Zorn. He was, I think, an undrafted free agent for Dallas in 1977. Gets cut, catches on with the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, was a good quarterback there, along with receiver Steve Largent. They made the AFC title game a couple of times. We could
2: certainly put that one in the back pocket. You know, I remember when they drafted, um, was it the – Baylor basketball player uh, Rico Rico yeah Rico Gatters well, I, I I fought at a Rico part and I couldn't get the last name Rico Gatters tight end uh you know, wanted to play tight end here and you know certainly the wrong idea as far as these basketball tight ends are already working around the league but that one did not work out but certainly there was some training camp highlights of just trying to flash that potential but of course it didn't work out but you know some of the offseason highlights of him were were fun. And it was one of those things You know, you're watching day three, the draft, it's a marathon, it's a, it's a haul, And you need something to kind of brighten up the day and wake yourself up after having to cover, you know, the craziness of this day one and two for us in the media as well. Right. So when that happened, it was definitely something to talk about and made that day three more interesting than it usually would be. So uh Rico Gatters, greatest cowboy end to never be. Yep. That's,
1: that's just the way that it goes sometimes uh, with these, day three draft picks oh yeah uh you know a lot of times they uh it's almost like they don't last eight seconds in dallas do they sean
2: much like and i'm glad you brought that up much like only one cowboy down there at houston rodeo was able to uh to last the full eight seconds can't say enough how cool it is to just see something like that down there as far as you know texas tradition and i mean man it was a wednesday night down there you know everybody's got work and things weighing them down it's the middle of your week you're you're thinking oh it's you know not the right night to to go you know have a big crazy night out and go to this football stadium do all these things but that didn't stop anybody and that just shows how much you know deeply rooted these things are in the traditions of texas and how proud i am to to come realize them these past couple years living here as far as you know wednesday night oh where where else would you rather be houston rodeo Texans football stadium, 70 plus thousand people walking around, getting ready to see Kenny perform and seeing the full rodeo events and getting barbecue and going on fair rides. It's just a really beautiful thing to see. And before I take full credit for the the Brandon Cooks move, because it happened while I was down there and we have this pattern going, I should also uh, say that maybe some of the credit goes to Mariah who was with me down there for the show, because she might be the good arc charm for the Cowboys after all, because this was her first ever concert and that's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around music and sports have been the two most important things in my life and you know certainly the opportunities that sports has given me like this podcast have been a whole lot of fun and music as well as opened some doors for me so I can't imagine where I'd be without some of the concerts and things I've been able to attend it's certainly where I've been the happiest a lot of the time so for it to be her first concert and to be a part of that memory with her was really cool and uh if she is the Cowboys, good luck to, good luck charm, then we'll have to get her to a lot more concerts because we need more good things to happen to uh, not only Houston Rodeo, but the Cowboys as well. So great night down there. Thanks to Kenny Chesney for, uh, of course, coming out and playing You know, in the middle of a week like that. He's got a whole other tour coming up and yet he wanted to come and play to people who he knows, love the music, love the experience of country music and country rodeo and bull riding and sheep riding and horse uh, bull Lassoing and all these things just make for a great night. So uh, happy to be down there. Happy to be, happy to be back, talk your football with you, and we'll do it again next week. Yep. In pursuit
1: of pork roll sandwich perfection. So there it is.